again, in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for how you have directed us, how you have led us, how you have inspired us, how your word has spoken to us, how you have revived us, how you have just ministered to us in ways we never could have thought or imagined. And your word is that to us, Lord. It is life to us. It is a joy to our soul, Lord. And we thank you for this study. We thank you, God. For Dr. Lockridge and how you inspired him, and Lord, how it has been passed on to us in the way that is a focus that um, is rare in, in these last days. I thank you, God, for this, and I pray that our final time here would just be a glory to you, God, would just be a, a time of us going out with joy, a time with us where our minds are just set and we're focused, Lord, on you for these last days. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I am going to save, like I said, the, our last listen to the end. Um, and I don't know how much you have d continued to listen to it uh, when you do your studies at home. I've kind of slacked off on it, and I just kind of dig right in. So sometimes I think it all it will just kind of bring it all together for us, hopefully, one more time at the end here. <clears throat> but this is our final thoughts, our final discussion but not our final impact. This has left an indelible mark on my heart. It has, our, my spirit's been revived just like I prayed. And I know I'm not the same as I was coming into this study because his word has done an eternal work in my heart. It's done an eternal work in my emotions. And, and, and my spirit, I know, has been fed because of the word of God. And this is true for any study, but in particular, this just happened to be so... I don't know, almost like laser focused on, on particular things that seem to have, uh, um, I don't know, just very impactful to me. But um, at any point in my future, as I read or I hear of any of these descriptors that uh, of our King Jesus, I'm going to be brought back to this time when I dove into this. And the Word of God is this, will be you know, the sole purpose of discovering about the person, Jesus Christ. And described in this unique way, which I will always remember very specific things about the way he described him. And uh, I thank God for every remembrance of this. Just like Paul prayed, I prayed, thank God for every remembrance of you. I thank God for every rem remembrance of this in my life. And I'm thankful for the scriptures that are written in my journal. I'm thankful, you know, I, I keep them and I will, you know, just to read them like I did throughout the week, you know, just writing them slowly, you know, I, I write whatever. But as I'm reading it was so impactful for me to write them out, and then it was impactful for me to read them again, and I know will be impactful for me to reread them all in succession, one after the other, all the things that God put in my heart to uh, for meditation. You know, we stand in awe and amazement and wonder at all that he's created, right? The power that he continues to produce and make he makes it all work together. And he connects this immeasurable physical universe with the spiritual world. And somehow he includes us with it, with, in love. And it seems impossible, really, to comprehend. It's impossible to comprehend any one of those and, and then put it all together. The immeasurable universe with the heavens the spiritual realm, and in my heart. 
He's connected it all. And, you know, we spent these weeks combing the scriptures, you know, to discover this, how intimately and tirelessly God pursues us with his loving kindness in his multitudes of ways that he interacts with us. He pours out his blessings on us. And could he be any more to us? Could he be any more with us? And we're going to see, yes, yes, there's even more. He is even more than that. Our last section has this tone of everlasting qualities, overwhelming ideas that he is beyond our ability to grasp. He is, excuse me, in our human thinking, he's un, we are unable to fully grasp him. He has given us these pictures, and we, we can hold on to all those things we do understand, and we grow in our knowledge, and I grow in our wisdom, and I grow in our comprehension, but there's so much that we are incapable of comprehending. And this last part points to that. He's eternal in the heavens. He's outside of time. He continues perpetually without, without ever having any beginning or end. And if you just think about that one long enough, your brain will kind of fizzle and, and you know, <laughs> freeze. Uh, he measures an immeasurable universe into the span of his hand, making him beyond immeasurable. And our finite humanity is called to view this, the infinity of this person. It's not a thing. He is a person. We're called on to view this person who has done so much and showed such great love and kindness. It's too extreme that I'm going to kind of define the first part of, of our lesson. He's too intense or extreme for words. He's a thing of untellable splendor. He's impossible to know or fathom. He has no limits. He's incapable of being overcome or defeated. He's unconquerable, indestructible, not able to be resisted or refused, incapable of being withstood and having overpowering appeal. And every one of those descriptors is... uh, too much. It's, it, it's, it's beyond our, our ability, right? So this leads us to a personal question. And the question is, is the one that every soul on the planet on earth has ever been born, whoever will be born has to inevitably face as Jesus reveals himself to us. What do we have? What's the question? It can't be avoided. What will I do with this person, Jesus, the King, the overwhelming eternal being. What will I do with him? I have to ask myself what the psalmist asked in chapter uh, 8, 3. It says, what is man that you are mindful of him? So, you know, I, I have to come to the point where I, will I make this my life's ambition? Will I make this my quest to know him? Will I answer that question that other men of great faith have been asked like Job? When God showed him, he said, well, do you know how I did this, Job? Do you know how I did, you know, and all the things when he was, you know, in the depths of his questioning of God is all he did was show him his universe. And then he asked God to consider, or God asked him to consider all the splendor and majesty of his creation. And with that alone, we need to face, we face God. And with that alone, 
we fall on our face before him. We can't walk away from the revelation of Jesus Christ with the same response that we had before. We can't, we can't do the same thing. We have to come and make a choice and do something with it. So now I'm culpable with that knowledge. Everything that's been shown to me, I'm culpable for it. Ignorance is not an option. It's certainly not an excuse. Jesus offers to us the life that comes with this knowledge. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus said in Revelation 1.18, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the expanse, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. The spring of the water of life. So this is life. This is eternal life that he offers when he reveals himself to me. I have this. And if I thirst for it, he gives it to me freely at no cost. Our spirits thirst. We're dead spiritually. And Jesus calls us to follow this new life of spiritual connection with him. And these are the waters that spring up within our soul. Isn't that beautiful? that overflow with abundance. All the people that live in, in without and a, apart from, they're dry and parched and hot and thirsty for this that they don't even know. And yet when he brings the life and that water spring up, this water of life springs up within us, um, it's, he causes us to walk in this abundance and overflow and to walk in the power of the Spirit. He calls for a response. There cannot be any dormancy after this point. We can't stay the same. So John 4.14 says, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into eternal life. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? This is the idea of refreshing water that brings life to, what, 75% of the planet? I think 75% of our body is, you know, um, just an amazing thing. It is, eter- it is the life of, of um, our world, but it's also an eternal life because it's a spiritual water. It's just an ex- a spiritual uh, uh, fountain. So we drink, and he overflows us. Did we experience this vitality these past weeks? Yes. The vitality of the life from the word of God, we ask of him, and he filled us. We drank from the waters that Jesus offered, and that life sprang up inside of our soul. When Jesus offers, he delivers. (laughs) Every time. Every time. This is why it's so important for us to, when we come to the word, ask him for it. Ask him for that, uh, for that life and for that refreshment and for that spirit, your, his spirit to teach us. He says in his word that we have eternal life. And with that, he offers eternal benefits, which is an amazing thing. As if he hasn't already offered as much, there's more. Eternality with all this. There's the eternal life. There are five additional eternal things. I didn't even go into the, the, there's three of them that actually are for those who are not. And I'll mention those real quick. Judgment, punishment, and um, condemnation. Eternal. Those are eternal as well. I didn't go into those because, but I did want to mention them. <laughs> there are, those are three more eternal things. But the things that are offered to those that, who are his children, 
eternal redemption, salvation, purpose, inheritance, and kingdom. And so I'm just going to look here at 2 Corinthians 4.18. It says, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we're looking at this eternality. We're looking at this things that are eternal. What is unseen is eternal. You know, Greg had a conversation with my son Brady to, this week, this past week, and he's coming into this kind of thinking that he's like that the, the world itself is actually uh, it's um, not. It's the hologram. You know, it's the shadow. It's the it's 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 a simulation. It's not a it's not re, it's not the real thing. The matrix, yeah. It's the, right. It's the matrix instead of the real thing. But interesting, right, to think that there is what is eternal is unseen. Isn't that wonderful? And so who we are, we think this, and how many people say, if I can't feel it, I'm not going to believe it. Well, there's a whole world out there that is unseen, that is eternal in the heavens. Eternal. I love that. It stands to reason that the eternal. It stands to reason that these eternal things are unseen, considering that they're too big and mighty and awesome for the material universe. They're too great for this. Stands to reason they're unseen, uh, too incredible, outside of space and time. They're spiritual, with dimensions that do not fit in our three-dimensional realm. It's outside of sight, outside of sound, outside of hearing, outside of touch, and outside of feel. It's outside. It's unseen. We have more to experience on the other side of this material existence than we ever see when we live here. Eternal redemption is one of these. Read um, Hebrews 9, 12, and it's on your page there, so I'm just going to read it aloud. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. We remember we, we studied redemption when we were in Romans. You know, how special is, is it that we, you know, we're learning in Leviticus too the impact of this special work of atonement. This, uh, through the offerings and sacrifices, how much it takes to cover and obliterate sin. And this is what redemption is all about. It, we can see that Jesus went to the holy place. It wasn't an earthly one. He went to the holy place in Hebrews 9. Uh, his, he entered the holy place, the heavenly holy place, once for all. And he obtained eternal redemption. He bought us out of that slavery. Remember, we were standing on the slavery block, and, he's, and he bought us back out of the impact of sin, which was the death sentence. That wasn't a slavery. That was a slavery unto death. We were bought back from death. And the blood, his own precious blood that flowed from pain, abuse. You know how they cut the, the animal of the cut the neck of the animal when they brought it in for sacrifice? Well, Jesus' blood body, the blood came from his head, his back, his heart, everything. He was his blood poured out for this. This this blood that he paid for it with, this precious blood was was the price for the transaction. It was the perfect for the imperfect. It was the sinless for the sin. It was the debt that was canceled. It, my debt that I never, ever, ever could have paid. I cannot pay for something that's eternal with something that's mortal. I can't. 
And so this, it's immeasurable to me. This, this eternal redemption, completely out of my capacity, he paid for, he obtained my eternal redemption. The final lesson, this eternality of God, is a very personal lesson. It seems like it's this big outside the universe thing, but in reality, this eternality, this, it's very personal. I need to comprehend the vastness of this incredible transaction that bought so much. Things that will endure forever for my sake in the heavens for me. The next one, eternal salvation. Hebrews 5, 9 says, And having been perfected, he, Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. The author of eternal salvation, Jesus Christ. He wrote it. He planned it. He accomplished it, our salvation. More than redemption, salvation includes being delivered from distresses to release us from circumstances that are causing suffering, to rescue me from imminent and mortal danger, moving me from distress to safety, away from the impact of evil, and spiritual powers forever. Eternal salvation. Salvation focuses on also the relationship between God and the believer. This relationship, this, you know, this rescue, this deliver, this coming and taking me from this evil. This is personal. This is a re- an interaction between Jesus, um, Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and me all the time because there's still evil in this world still in this world it's an eternal salvation but it begins today what began the day i was you know came to christ but every single day he rescues me he saves me his salvation is continual it's eternal it wasn't just that day and it wasn't just for when i get to the pearly gates it's every single day an eternal salvation the scripture says it's to all who obey him isn't that interesting if we read that again Ah, I love that. And having been perfected, Jesus became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. To all who relate to Jesus in the manner of submitting to him. Submission through the ages. You know, uh, following, hearing, answering, living to please, desiring to be with him. That's what we're talking about. This whole thing has been about relationship the whole time, right? His salvation is all about the relationship of me submitting and living to please and desiring to be with him. It's so interconnected. It's a beautiful thing. And to think, this relationship is now a forever thing. It's not once and done. It's going to continue through the ages. Never to be separated, always together, always relating to him, the salvation. And next, our eternal purpose. There's our pur- uh, This is actually... The, it was an eternal purpose. This is the one thing that's actually attributed to Christ. The purpose was his purpose, not my purpose. Okay. I, I, when I was first reading through this and I saw that we have an eternal purpose, that, yeah, we do, but this particular is talking about uh, the per- eternal purpose of Jesus. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it says this was his eternal plan 
Oh, I'm going to read in the NLT. And so just listen if you can for just a quick second. The NLT says, this was his eternal plan as he carried it out through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we talked about that back with you know, with the author of salvation. He wrote the plan and everything. But that was the purpose. His, his eternal purpose behind all of this was carried out through Jesus Christ our Lord. Never had a beginning, this plan. This plan was always in the heart of God. Before he ever stepped into the darkness of the void of the earth, he wanted to create us and have fellowship with us and do whatever it took to save us. That was already in the heart of God. It was a comprehensive part of God himself. This purpose of God, this eternal purpose, part of what was in his mind, part was in it, of what was in God's plan and his conception for all of eternity. He didn't just come up with it because we sinned. No. Isn't that amazing? Let's go back to verse 8 through 10 of that. If you would turn actually to Ephesians 3. Um, Ephesians chapter 3. I just want to look a little bit at this uh, purpose. Verses 8. And I'm going to read 8 through 11. I just read 11 but I, before, and I'm going to read verses 8 through 11. This is Paul speaking. To me... Whom, I, whom am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Boy, that adds a new light to it, doesn't it? His eternal purpose also included showing to all of the, the heavenly things and all the eternal power, how it, the mysteries of his great love. Isn't that amazing? I'm gonna, uh, this was not just for our sake, but for the unseen rulers in the heavenly places to display the wisdom of God in rich variety. Isn't that beautiful? His purpose included showing, it was, just, it was not just for us. It was in, for all those eternal beings in those heavenly places to show the manifold dis- wisdom of God, the wisdom of God in its rich variety. I just love that. That, was, that actually came from reading the New Living Translation. I, I tell you I like that, but I read it a lot in um, tandem with the New King James and the NASB. Okay, let's go on to eternal inheritance. This inheritance is back to us. This is our inheritance. Hebrews 9.15 says, that's why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and the people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins that they committed under that first covenant. That's the New Living Translation. I'm sorry if it <clears throat> didn't match here as well. But he, uh, he, he called so that we could receive this inter- eternal inheritance that God has promised. Psalm 37, 18 says, Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent, and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. 
in Colossians 1.12 says, Always thanking the Father, He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. We all share this amazing and, and beautiful and eternal inheritance that was, we share in the inheritance of Jesus Christ because whatever Jesus inherits, guess what? We get it as also as sons and daughters. The eternal kingdom. The eternal kingdom. How much has Jesus, did Jesus come and preach the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom? What is it about? It's an eternal kingdom. They kind of misunderstood that, didn't they? The disciples thought it was an earthly kingdom. They didn't quite catch that whole concept of the kingdom. That's why he had to teach so much about it because they really had a misconception. But Daniel 7.27 tells us way back in Daniel 7.27, he says, Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions will serve and obey him. So we're talking about all the kingdoms of heaven and earth and under there, every imaginable uh, power, nations, but also in the heavens, uh, angels, evil powers, dark powers will serve and obey him. This eternal kingdom is much bigger than what we could ever imagine. Psalm 145, 12 says, They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men the mighty acts and the glory and the majesty of thy kingdom. We're going to be talking about this for a very long time. (laughs) And it's glorious and it's mighty and it's majestic. And we're going to make it known to everyone. And what an amazing kingdom it is. The aspects of this millennial kingdom here on earth, and then the new Jerusalem coming down after the, after the millennium, then the eternal kingdom where God reigns forever and ever with his people in beauty, in peace, in righteousness, in his presence. This is what Jesus preached. And he said the meek inherit the kingdom, right? Well, no, the meek inherit the earth, the righteous. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't write that reference down. I apologize. But we do inherit the kingdom of God. I read all these scriptures about the eternal things. And this study, knowing that the things that we have read are not just for this moment. And for, or for this week or for this month or for life. But forever and ever. <coughs> never ceasing. And it's a hope that will drive me. It will keep me. It will motivate me. And we have so much now and every day moving forward and even past that into the unknown future, way beyond our life and death. So even, you know, the years that are come, which often we worry about, we think about, we plan for, we try to plan for. (laughs) It doesn't work so well sometimes to do all of our planning. But... This eternal kingdom, this eternal life, this eternal salvation, this eternal redemption, this eternal purpose, this is for today and tomorrow and for the rest of my life and forever, way beyond that. It's for me and it's real. So I receive it from God. He's my king. 
and all his kingdom is mine as well. Let's play that. Ready? The Bible says he's a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. David said the heavens declare the glory of God. And the fundament showeth his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his soulless supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. And he's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. And that's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He star God and he dies. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? Well, my king is a key of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. He's a master of the mighty. He's a captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. And he's the lord of lords. That's my king. Yeah. Yeah. That's my king. My king. Yeah. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. 
He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm coming to tell you, the heavens of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explaining him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah! He always has been, and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't him, teach him, and he's not going to resign. That's my king. is the kingdom and the power and the glory the glory is all his thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and when you get through with all of the forever then amen yeah.